Welcome to the Imbibe Live Conversations podcast with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you are joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We will offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us all on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at imbibelife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. We're grateful that you are here. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Laura Latimer. Hi, Laura. Hi. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so, for having me. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Laura is a life coach, but you, there's a lot more to you than that. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, thank you. Thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate you. Uh, punting to me. I do that a lot with um, <laughs> guests in my class. Cause I just learned like that kind of formality of introducing somebody else. Usually like the person themselves is kind of the best, their own best expert. So, um, I appreciate that. So thank you so much for having me. And, um, primarily what I do is teach at UT and my area is all things health related. I have, um, an undergrad in kinesiology, and I have a master's and a PhD in health education and health behavior change. And so I'm in the College of Education at UT in this section of health behavior and health education. And so a lot of my training is in how do we make sustainable changes in our behavior? Um, And so a lot of that, of course, informs my life coaching practice because people want to figure out ways to be more sustainably happy. And so we work together to figure out new perspectives and new skills so that people feel happier and more fulfilled longer. Right. And then ideally they could help other people feel that way as well. So, um, I teach, uh, a couple of undergraduate classes and a graduate class. Usually that was the case this semester, at least. And one of those classes in particular, I've been teaching now for about seven years. And that is the overall approach with the class itself. The class is called Child and Adolescent Health, uh, but we focus a lot on the students in my class, the college students who we might consider late adolescents themselves. (laughs) (laughs) They probably don't, but we all do. (laughs) But science, because their brains aren't actually fully formed yet. So at least we, you know, I can back my statements with that, but uh, taking this approach that we're really focusing on them there, a lot of them are future teachers and that we can't really affect a child's health if we can't affect our own. So um, everything at this point in time looks like it's so nicely packaged and like I planned it all. I just gave a career and academic Q&A in my class yesterday, and I wanted to make it very clear that it has not been a seamless process and that that's okay. So, um, but that is, that is my current professional status. But you've had a, a journey that got you to where you are today, right? I mean, that's, I think Cheryl and I both read some things about your bio and background and went, oh, she's lived very imbibe as we would put it, or you, you came to an imbibe lifestyle. I think people, if you don't mind sharing, would love to hear a little bit about that too. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to acknowledge that, um, I, I did meander a lot professionally, academically and professionally. So I got an undergraduate degree, uh, well, going back before that, I, I worked in a commercial gym, like a gold 
gym type setting. And so of course, when that's all you've ever done, you think, well, I have to do that. Like this, I'll just own a gym that will be, you know, the end all be all. And I started college when I was 17 and kind of made a decision about my major based on that. And it's fine. It's turned out fine. I'm, I'm pretty thankful that I moved beyond that. I don't think that that's where I can do my best work. Um, and after that just really felt like I had to go to medical school. Like this was the only way to go. Um, so I have gone down that track as well for a little while before I changed my mind again, you can see where this is going as far as helping my students in particular, but also my clients feel better about if they get to a point and they change their minds, you know, it's a society, we kind of look down upon that for some reason. And I don't really know why, although I did feel like that myself whenever I was in that position. Um, I found my professional life at UT and um, that was great until I got to my postdoc. So when you want to be competitive for tenure track research positions at research institutions, it's best to do a postdoc fellowship and get more focused training on research. So I thought I had found my ticket to the life I wanted when I got accepted to do this postdoc at Cornell. And I went and I was miserable. I was completely miserable. And I see now that part of what informed that basically existential crisis that I had, this was in 2013, starting then, I see now that a lot of what happened starting in 2012 with some personal crises really started to change my perspective on life and inform a different way of seeing things. So I, I agree with how you phrased that, Amy. I don't know, remember exactly how you said it, but arrived at an in-vibe life. I certainly didn't start there, but yeah, things started to change a lot there. And that's when I, um, I completely changed my career trajectory and started my coaching practice and, um, didn't actually know what I was going to do next professionally outside of that. Uh, and luckily teaching found me. So, um, well, yeah. what a gift you must be to those students to be able to share a message like that because, you know, as a mother of two, one recent college graduate, one at UT right now and one in high school, you're right. They're freaked out because they think, and so many of the colleges even, and I know we're digressing a little, but so many of the colleges, you have to apply to a certain major or a mm-hmm. certain school or a certain program. And they're making these choices when they're 17 years old or even younger. My middle son started college barely 18 himself. Mm-hmm. And then they get there after a year or two and think, oh, I really don't like this at all. Even if they're good at it, like, I just, I don't want to do this and I don't like it. And then they have, you know, the shame and the um, depression that comes from it. And it it's just, it's a really hard situation. And, you know, the thing is, my husband tells them all the time, people say life is short. It's not life is long and you need to think about how you're living it yeah, or the quality of what you put into it. Exactly. And there's time to change to, you know, change directions and, yeah, I agree. It's probably a focus for a whole other podcast, but the, I I just yeah. was listening to a podcast last night about these kind of similar things with the the whole academic system that we've set up really sets up a lot of people for failure and that shame that you talked about. So I would love to have another podcast on this. So let's put a pin in this and come back to it. <laughs> Even talking about the adolescents, because, yeah. you know, I have a lot of friends who have kids the same age and these are I've seen different versions, but of similar stories, but 
you come in though now and work also as a life coach for adults who might be finding themselves in that exact same situation and trying to find their purpose or refine their purpose. And what is everyone calling it? Like the great reset or the great resignation that happened during COVID. It's probably more prevalent now than ever before. Yeah, it's exciting. I know not everybody feels that way. I think a lot of people who are faced with that kind of existential crisis are freaked out, right? They're like, I don't want this to happen. I, I, I thought I knew what I was doing and how it was going to work out. And now it's not, and I don't, you know, it's not necessarily well-received. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, to, to use a kind of a trite saying, it's like some of the best gifts in life come in the ugliest wrapping, you know, it's like, that's definitely how I felt uh, in my postdoc when everything changed. And I really started to get more comfortable with what my purpose was. And then have tried to learn more about that, talk to my students about that. I talked every client that I saw this week, we talked about that to some extent. So it is, it, yes, it's part of who we are. I feel like it's part of why, you know, finding meaning out of life is to figure out what our purpose is. So, um, you know, I have, I have some points that I think could maybe help with that. One is I'd like to bring up this idea that do y'all know about Spanx? Yes, of course. (laughs) Okay. So I, I, I don't know much about Spanx. I don't have a personal um, tie to this brand. However, I have one. You're lucky. lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I couldn't probably benefit from some Spanx, but I, I just haven't gone there yet. Yet. There's time. And I really, I've become more familiar with Sarah Blakely, the owner of that company lately. And I watched her. Are y'all familiar with Masterclass? Yeah. Okay. So I watched her whole masterclass and she talks about this graphic, um, that I now revisit frequently of these kind of like a Venn diagram essentially. Okay. Of these three circles. So they're overlapping in one section, one circle is, and this is all about finding your purpose. So one circle is, um, the things that you're good at acknowledging the things that you're good at. The other circle is acknowledging the things that bring you joy, the things that really make you happy, right? And would we necessarily consider ourselves good at those things? I do a lot of, there's a certain kind of art that I do. I don't know if it's art for other people's standards, but I love it, right? It brings me joy. I may be better at some other things. That's fine. And then the third circle is what breaks your heart or slash how you want to serve the world. And so if we can kind of think about where all of those three circles come together, that's our purpose. One way to approach it. I'm really loving that. I shared it with my class. I've talked to my clients about it. I, like I said, I revisit that frequently. Um, But do we have, can we link a copy of that diagram or something like that in the show notes? I think I'll just give you the the photo, which is actually a drawing of my own. Um, okay, rudimentary, but that's the only that's the only access I have to it. Uh, and I can give you that, and you can yes, you can totally put it in the show notes, and um, maybe that will be helpful to somebody. I think yes, it will be. <laughs> well, I think what's important to acknowledge is that in each of those circles, like those are pretty big questions, right? Like, what are you good at? What brings you joy? How do you want to serve the world? Like, that's kind of a big. Question. So when we think about practical ways, a big part of my coaching is every one of my clients, if they want, uh, which they do, all of them want this, they leave with a practical step, right? We don't just talk about abstract things and then 
keep doing that, right? We talk about practical things. So I think it's important to talk about practical ways to get to how we can fill out our circles for this purpose diagram. And we need to, in order to do that, we need to get still. We need to get still, right? Which is kind of, it's icky for some people. Like they don't want to do that. I just had a discussion with a client this week who was like, when I see a weekend, an impending weekend without anything scheduled, I get freaked. I'm freaked out. So that's so crazy and interesting to me. Yeah. Because when I see a day with too many things scheduled, that freaks me out. I get freaked out. (laughs) Freaked out. Exactly. Sometimes when I have a day or a weekend with with nothing, nothing, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. So do you think that y'all have each, you might have different answers, but have you always felt like that where you were loving the free space and, you know, nervous about the packed schedule? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I've always needed a fair amount of calm time, Mm -hmm. but I think, yes, I probably used to. I think as I got older, I realized Mm -hmm. how important that calm time was to feed me, Mm -hmm. you know, where, when I was younger, I was like, you can do it, push through it all, you know, have your plans all weekend and work all week where now that I'm older, I'm like, if I don't stop and take a breath, my children and my husband are going to strangle me because <laughs> right. I'm not a nice person when that comes, you know? Yeah. Yes, I just Agreed. messed that up. <laughs> Agreed. I feel like I uh, connect with my clients a lot because I hated the free space. Um, you know, it's been several years now since I really felt like that. Again, this, a lot of my change coincides starting in 2010 and then very significantly starting in 2013, I would say. So it's been a while now, um, but I definitely remember the times where I, it was almost like a badge of honor to be that busy. Um, mm-hmm. I, and, I think uh, some people still feel that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talk to them a lot. And so <laughs> I, I think it's, um, I get it. You know, I've been there and I also know how unhappy I was and how disconnected I really was from my true self and my true purpose and my own values and the things that I liked because I was so focused on kind of like a surface level checking of the box things, Mm -hmm. which is very common, right? We're told if we, you know, do certain things, go to school, get a degree, have some sort of socially acceptable career, get married, buy a house, have kids, then, then you'll be happy. Um, And as you start to go through life and you check off those boxes and you realize you're not necessarily happier, it can feel like a crisis. And so in this getting still, I think we need to do some writing, some journaling about what do I really like? And it's hard. I mean, seriously, again, all of the clients that I talked to this week about this, they're, they're all at different phases, but they're realizing I don't, I don't really know what I like. Mm-hmm. Or they can maybe name like two things, but they're not even regularly doing those two things necessarily, you know, very disconnected from what they even like because they're, they've been trying to follow somebody else's program. So I bet that's super common. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, I know even, and I spend a lot of time in stillness and I spend a lot of time meditating and journaling and all of the so above. Hard. And I'm um, like, Cheryl knows this. I'm a, how to phrase it. Um, a big manifestation person, I guess. But the biggest step is really getting clear on what your desires are, what your true desires are in order to bring them into your life. Right. It's really hard to do that when we're like 
busy trying to manage impressions. Um, you know, what we think other people think we should be like, um, that keeps us very wrapped up in not figuring out, you know, what we really want. So, um, yeah, so getting still writing about these things, you know, you got to have that space to have some creativity for sure to, to figure out what your true desires are and your values. Um, and then be, be bold, mm. being bold, you know, going out on a limb. And the way that I like to phrase this, especially because a lot of the people that I talk to in my coaching practice are, um, I would say overly concerned and driven by logic and not as much by like our feeling selves. And so this is where we tap into that because we need both, right? We need to be skillful about using both of them, but, um, to, to go out on a limb and gather some information, right? Try to look at it as neutrally as possible like that, that you're going to try something so that you can get information, right? Not so that you can never have to feel bad again, or never have to put yourself out there again. Like really look at what is the purpose of being bold and going out on a limb. And I would say like gather information. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's big. That's a big step. You know, I mean, not, I think in order to be bold, you have to be still first mm-hmm. because if you're just on the hamster wheel, yep. you know, boldness doesn't seem like, you know, that's a jumping off the wheel. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great visual of that. So, yeah. So that's kind of how I feel like, um, I feel like that's a good mix of some, some kind of abstract and some real practical ways of looking at ways we can find our purpose as a way to feel more fulfilled. Um, whatever that means, it's a really personal thing to figure that out. So, so as much work as I do on finding my purpose and listening to my inner guidance and outer guidance as well, I guess, or other than guidance. Um, something I do still have a really hard time with is regret, especially regrets for a squandered time. And I think as you reach certain milestone mm-hmm. birthdays, 40 years, 50 years old, things like that, it's probably pretty common. I know it has been a big theme for me. Mm-hmm. What do you say to people who are dealing like, so I have my purpose. Now I see what my purpose is or should have been, or I wish it were mm-hmm. me. And I wasted a lot of time. Mm. Yeah. I know. I'm glad you brought up the birthday thing. Uh, that resonates with me. So I just in September had my 40th birthday and I remember my, distinctly my 30th birthday. And it was such a dramatic comparison to how I felt on those two milestone birthdays on my 30th birthday. I was almost done with my PhD program. And I remember somebody asking me at my birthday, like, so how does it feel to be 30? You know, how, how are you feeling? And I was like, I feel kind of disappointed in myself. Like I, I felt like I would have done more by now. Wow. When I look back on that, I'm like, that is, that is so harsh. It's so harsh. There's no room for the goodness there. Right. I was just, I was very hard on myself. The inner critic was, was very loud on my 40th birthday. I mean, I have no complaints. I had no, I had no regrets. I had no like feeling of lost time or, you know, like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I have before, right? Like I understand again, that's in, just come out of the womb, like magically having no regrets. So I think when I 
think about regret and, you know, why we have them. To me, that is a, it's an issue of expectations. Mm -hmm. We expected something to look a certain way and then it didn't look that way, right? Our experience didn't measure up to our expectations. I really discovered this in that postdoc experience that I was talking to you about where I was like, what the heck is happening here? This was supposed to be something, right? I I had listed all these things. It was supposed Mm -hmm. to be for me, bring me, whatever. And it was none of those things. (laughs) And I just, I remember getting so frustrated and the light bulb going off one day, talk about getting still. I did a lot of getting still in that year that I spent in upstate New York alone in the worst winter that they had had in over 50 years, right? Like there's a lot of thinking time. (laughs) And so I remember the light bulb going off and I was like, oh, it's because you expected it to be a certain way. Had you had different expectations, you might not be disappointed right now. You might not feel like you're wasting time, et cetera. So, and this, of course, leads into this idea of the shoulds. I'm sure that you see this theme where we say, well, I should have done this or somebody else should have done this or should not have done this. And I think this is where I really tap into my spirituality, which again, came more to the surface in those 2012 to 2014 years. I was raised in a fundamentalist uh, Southern Baptist type environment. Yep. (laughs) In my opinion, there's some repair that needs to be done after doing that. And I really was like, don't talk to me about religion. Get out of my face about it. I will never be like, I was very anti for a while, you know, starting kind of like middle high school. And then until um, some seeds were planted definitely before this 2012, 2013. But, you know, I realized like there is a way for me to have spirituality in my life and it doesn't have to look the way that I had been exposed to before. And that's when that really came to help me. So in that recognizing that and really trying to believe So this can be baby steps to get into this belief, I think, but that life is a mystery that's unfolding before us, not something that we need to solve or figure out or man or woman handle, right? Like we don't need to fix and contrive and, you know, we can just see how it unfolds. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this should that, be one of our Sunday, soulful Sunday quotes. Every Sunday we put out a quote on social media. We call it soulful Sunday. And I think life is a mystery that is unfolding before you yeah, or something like that. It, that's, that's beautiful. Awesome. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be figured out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be controlled. I just, I, right. it's what you just said is so powerful. You know, it's just such a great message. And it goes along with if we release our expectations of anything, any, you know, whether it's your career or a person or whatever, Mm. release your expectations and just live in what is and go from there. Mm -hmm. That is super hard to do, but I think it would help with a lot of discomfort, unhappiness, anger, if you release your expectations. Right. Like that's hard. It is very hard. And again, when we think about practical steps to doing this, my meditation practice specifically is a major part of it. Most of it 
is sitting and observing my thoughts as neutrally as I can and then moving on with my day. And when we do that, we start to realize how arbitrary so many of our thoughts are. And it's also arbitrary which of those we choose to impose meaning on. Like it, it's just, it's, we're creating it all ourselves, right? Like I can decide to put meaning on this thing over here or this thing over here. But so much of the time when we're not in practice with meditation or just because we're human, because we're not robots, right? We forget that. And we think we believe our thoughts too much. We think if we have this thought, like I shouldn't have wasted that time. I can't believe I wasted that time. We think that that's true. And we can challenge those. We can say, you know, that's not really helpful. I'm going to, I'm not going to believe that one. I'm going to leave that one. Something to that extent. So so is meditation and mindfulness another skill you help your clients navigate? Yes. yes. And I've found, you know, it's very interesting. I've found in my discussions with in my students, this the, everything is connected, right? Like, uh, in fact, if you want another quote, everything is connected, everything changes, pay attention. It's a quote on the wall at the Zen Buddhist Center here in Austin that a friend told me about. And I love it. So there's all the themes crossover, but yes, we talk a lot about meditation uh, in my, in my coaching practice. And I've found that I dispel a lot of myths for people about what meditation is. And that's exciting because again, I was, I was pretty openly anti-meditation actually for a long time, you know, where people would be like, Hey, you're kind of, you're like real high strong. <laughs> like, could you make you thought about some, maybe some meditation for stress relief or, and I was just like, no, no, that is not for me. And so it's fun to be able to share, you know, practical ways that people could try it. Um, and then, you know, they see for themselves how it can help. I love it. This is so good. We're all about this here. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. So we've already covered a lot, but I can't resist asking you about because of the time of year that we're talking, this podcast will probably air right around the first of the year, right around January 1st. And we're bombarded with thoughts of resolutions. And it is a natural time to do some reflection and introspection. And we hear about new year's resolutions, Um, We talk about setting intentions. Mm -hmm. Can you give people advice on that? You know, going into a new year, setting intentions, maybe aligning more with their life's purpose and what can they do? Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, I really like the the phrases that you use. I understand you you're connecting it to our kind of traditional resolution, but I've, I really feel like it's more helpful when we can say kind of the introspection and the, um, the intention and things like that. Um, I, I would say, you know, something that's really important, um, that we haven't really touched on yet, but of course is a theme throughout all of this is when we can get still and we start to figure out, you know, the thoughts that we're believing and, um, you know, what our true purpose is and all of those things, it's really important to check in about our self-worth, how we feel about ourselves. Um, most of us need, uh, most of us, all of us need some help with that for a variety of reasons. You know, it could be from our childhood stuff. It could be from societal conditioning. Like we need some help with that. And so I think that 
goes along with the topics that we talked about before. I think it also helps us decide better uh, how we can set some intentions for a new year when we are overly concerned with how we think we should be. That is usually a pretty good indicator that we're not in touch with our true self-worth. And then we set intentions and goals that are maybe misaligned with our true uh, values and, and purpose. So I think that's really important. Um, it's uncomfortable for some people to acknowledge that because it does kind of require that we go back. And I like to call it the, the ratty old suitcase that we carry. We're dragging along behind us of just the, you know, the, I'll just say my own stuff, like the, the boy in fifth grade that told me my arms were fat, like, you know, the, the second grade. We all knew that boy, right? Yeah. He, oh yeah. I still know that same boy. Same thing to us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the second grade teacher that told me I needed to lighten up, like get rid of that. But in a way that is very, um, again, to use the word skillful, like because sometimes I think we think we have gotten rid of it, but what we've done is just shoved it in a suitcase or in the closet, right? So really bringing that out and then examining it in a way that allows us to process it and move on rather than just saying, I'm not going to let that affect me anymore when we haven't actually processed it. So I think if we can do that, we are better in touch with our, with our self-worth and we can uh, choose intentions that are more in alignment with that. Of course, all of the things I mentioned earlier about the journaling and the getting still and those things. I would say one thing that's really important, again, with a practical kind of a tip for this, start now, do it now. I do not like this January 1st stuff or even December 31st stuff or wait until February, right? Like eliminate this pressure that we put on ourselves because it is a good time. And in some ways it's a natural time. And in some ways it's totally arbitrary. We can, we can do this at any point in time, right? Like we don't have to wait. Um, so I think. I totally agree with that. But yeah. I also, as we've been sitting here talking about it, I think it's also, if you can make that time for yourself as part of your holiday mm-hmm. tradition, then all of that craziness and over scheduling of the holidays, you're putting your self-importance into the middle of also. And there's something really beautiful about that if you can manage it. Yeah, I agree. I like that. I think, um, you know, depending on when people are are listening to this, right? right. Like they could, they could st- when we say start now, that could be before the holidays for them, right? So they're really learning how to incorporate that before all of the holiday crazy starts so that they can make different decisions about how they, uh, pack their calendars or not. Mm-hmm. So but I also, what I kind of heard you say too, is give yourself the permission that if it's too much for you to do mm-hmm. at a certain time of year, don't do it. Wait, wait till next month when it's not so crazy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever well, works. And, and just like, sometimes I feel like sometimes when I, um, maybe start a new eating plan. (laughs) It's because I've had too much of bad things. And I say, I just don't feel good anymore. And it's just time. And like, today's the day because I want to feel better. That might be the cue also. I agree. And I feel like ideally we would be doing that year round, right? Right. Plenty of data on new year's, whatever we want to call them. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) 
we know that people, they want to do these things and then they don't. And so I wonder sometimes if we can take that kind of unnecessary pressure off of it, if we would see some more sustainable change for that. Uh, I agree. Taking that like, you know, every day is a new day kind of approach year round, uh, rather than just like, I got to do it on January 1st, all the pressure we put on ourselves to do that. Well, and we also don't, you know, give yourself a lot of grace Mm -hmm. because, you know, just having an intention is beautiful. Don't judge yourself if you don't get to a certain end goal by the time you thought you might get to a certain end goal. In fact, maybe the introspection and setting the intention was the whole exercise for your development and not even the completion of it. Right. It's that life mystery unfolding thing. Exactly. We don't know if we're going to reach our goal or, or if, like you said, Amy, the whole goal was just thinking about it then. And, and my intentions, I mean, I feel like most years or times when I set intentions are a lot about like the intention itself is a lot about introspection. It's a lot about focusing on myself, self-compassion, you know, getting back to the, the firm, firmest foundation I can find. I recognize that life is, it's just ebbs and flows constantly, but so I kind of have some more general intentions that I'm revisiting all the time. And that's the general theme of them, which I also find really helpful. Oh, that's really great. Laura, this has been very helpful. I mean, all your information is so we, as we say here in vibe, yes, you know, it's, it's just, it's great tips that people, um, need to hear. They need to hear, even if you can only retain a little bit of what you put out there, because you gave us a wealth of information, but just a little bit here and there, and just, you know, taking some of the advice or the pointers, or even the little diagram that you described with the three circles, any of this is a great step to, I think, finding your purpose, finding your joy, unpacking that suitcase that's ready and that you're dragging around. I mean, I love all of those analogies. It just, it's good. It's great to have that any time of year to help you um, find a little more joy. And we'll also link this in the show notes, but um, if someone's interested in working with you, they can find you at www.lauralatimer.com, I believe, which will be linked. And, um, I think, you know, we might all, I I love when you said everyone can use a little help or a little support Mm -hmm. in, um, this journey. It's true. It's very true. And I, um, I think, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, people will have heard before, and yet it is so important for us to hear them over and over again and to revisit them. Um, and, and it's okay if we've heard them before and we're like, I knew that I knew I should do that or that's okay. Right. One story I like to tell is I'm sure you know who Gary Zukoff is, right. And his original book, and I'm terrible at titles. Don't even remember the name. I probably had it on a shelf for at least 10 years before I read it. Yes. I think I'd opened it and I have several books, you know, opened it, put it back, opened it, put it back. And then the day I was ready for it, 
I think I read it nonstop for three days before I ever put it down and it was life changing for me. So just like that, even if you've heard some of these things before, maybe today's the day, or maybe it needs to go back somewhere in the coffers of your consciousness and it'll come to the forefront when you are ready for it. So that's okay too. Completely agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been lovely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's been great. And I'm sure we will have you again. Yes. <laughs> great. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for joining our conversation today. For more information or to learn more about InVibe Life, we hope you'll visit us at www.invibelife.com. You can find links and show notes for this episode on our podcast page. Please like, follow, and leave a review for our podcast. We hope that you will listen again soon.